Hey everybody, welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today we are in Season 3, Episode 12. My name is Ben Patterson, if we have not met yet, and I am joined by Paul Hugobart. Yeah, excited to be here uh, this morning, Ben. I was just mentioning I'm a little bit tired because some of us went on a, kind of a, some of the guys here at Grace Chapel we got together went on kind of a little bit of a, like a men's outing. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that's cool. You know, did some fly fishing and things like that, which I do enjoy. But uh, the last day we were there, I, I slipped in the stream. Um, <laughs> did this kind of like funny, like old man trying to hold my balance thing, you know. Um, and I'm starting to have some of those every now That's and then, right? Funny. Where, you know, where I'm not as nimble and agile as I used to be. And so in avoiding the first time slipping forward and hitting my knee, I went backwards too far, and then I came far forward even further and hit my knee harder than I would have had I just gone down the the first time. But uh, but you know, good good to be here, kind of refreshed, even yeah, though yeah. a little bit tired from that. So uh, so it's been been a good end of last week and a good mm-hmm. weekend here at Grace Chapel for sure. We've got some exciting things that. Uh, we can share and, and yes. provide some updates about. And so, yeah, just, just good all over stuff and happy to be here. Engage awesome. in the conversation that we're going to engage in today. So Yeah, yeah, so me too, me too. I had a great weekend myself and ready to, ready to dive in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, today we are wrapping up this series that we've been in called I Will Love, closing up our missions month as well. Yep. Um, and for those of y'all who've been following us this month, you know we've been, this is our missions month, is two weeks ago we had our Mission Sunday That's right. at Grace Chapel, where we are supporting three of our international mission partners. We've got Kairos Bible Institute, which is in, where in Mexico? Um, it's, it's located, I think it used to be housed in Cozumel, Mexico, and now they've moved it over to the West Coast, and I can't remember exactly which, which city, but kind of West Coast, yeah. kind of south, down close to... You know, the Mexico's southern border okay. right now. Yep. Then Ciudad de Angeles, which is mm-hmm. a children's home that is in Cozumel. And mm-hmm. then 127 Pure is an organization that is working with uh, India with um, in a city over there in Angol, India. Mm-hmm. Um, so these three partners, we've been super excited to get yeah, to learn a sure. lot about them this month, partner with them, get to hear some of the work that they're doing. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, get to think about how we can contribute and be a part of that. Yeah. And that was pretty cool because Very at cool. our missions Sunday, we have like actually the amount that we contri- that we contributed has continued to grow. Continued you want to give us an update about where we're at with that, Paul? Yeah, so we are just a few dollars shy of $138,000 contributed mm. to uh, mission work with incredible. our global mission partners in, in that one-week window. Incredible. And it is incredible, and we continue to have actually some more coming in. So it would not surprise me if... You know, sometime by the end of this week, we're we're actually able to say that we, you know, are at one hundred forty thousand dollars or cross that barrier, and yeah. it's it is so exciting um, to think about the way that that money, you know, we think about how far a dollar goes here, and sometimes we get more and more frustrated about how far a dollar goes here. But some of the places where this money will be making an impact, a dollar goes pretty far still. Yeah. And so yeah. to have that kind of money given and donated by the people of this church, you know, we 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 know and believe here. You know, we're, especially where we live here, for Scythe County, Georgia, just north of Atlanta, a pretty wealthy county, you know, definitely. But I think our folks, and I'm, I'm so uh, encouraged, thankful, and even if I can be proud and, and certainly joyful of our people who, who understand that, yeah. you know, to whom much has been given, much will be required or asked. And 
And when the ask is made, much is given back in return. Yeah. And it's just, you know, what a, what a real blessing. And, and even with that, Ben, and, you know, we'll, we'll be uh, mulling over some things because we've gone well over what the ask was at yeah. this point in time. I mean, well over. And there were some other opportunities that were lingering out there. And we were almost like, you know, the dream kind of opportunities that mm-hmm. we could support this if this, right? And I think we're, we're to the place where, where financially, because of what was contributed, we're going we're gonna to have some very exciting announcements that we can share with our church family and here on the podcast as well about how that money is going to uh, serve, um, you know, again, 100% of it going directly to mission efforts and how that money will enable the spread of the gospel, the movement of the mission of Jesus, um, the growth of the knowledge that people will have of the fact that there's a God who loves them and a church ready to serve them. Um, just really, really cool things when you think about it that way. And so just very, very excited for that. You know, we're not, we're not a huge church, but man, the, this church has a huge heart when it comes to giving towards specific uh, items like this. You know, what's, what's really, really cool about this in the end um, this will probably amount to more than 10% of all the money that is given through and to Grace Chapel for the sake of doing good works this year, you know, of our entire budget. You know, this, so this will probably amount to more than 10% of our entire budget in the end. So I'm just super thankful to be able to say, you know, we're part of a community that in a sense is going to be tithing to global missions and moving the gospel forward in places like India, Mexico, and, and others that I hope to be able to share some more information about as we go. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, man. That is awesome. So, yeah, this month we've had yep. that focus on missions. Been right. in the midst of this series, I will love. Mm-hmm. And throughout this series, we've been talking about things that, as followers of Jesus, that we must love. That we are called to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, first week we talked about loving the gospel and what that looks like to really, uh, to truly love that, not just to believe it, but to to love it, to yes. love that in the right order. Uh, the second week I talked about loving the mission. Mm-hmm. And we'll share about loving Jesus' mission to the point where we are living His mission. Yeah, that's right. Last week you spoke about loving our neighbor, loving those yes. who are in close proximity to us. So we have that great opportunity to truly just show love to. Yes. And then this week we went into talking about loving the world. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, Paul. What, yeah. what are we talking about here? We talk about loving the world. Um, and before you kind of tell us a bit about this message, tell us what do you, what do you even mean when we say love the world? Because yeah. I think that mm-hmm. it feels straightforward, but it could also could be a little bit confusing because yes. as Christians, we use this world, this word "world" yeah. to refer to a lot of things. Yeah. Sometimes we're reading about Jesus saying we're in the world, not of the world, and there it feels like right. the world is something we need to resist right. and stay away from. But then other times we read about Jesus loving the world, like God loved sure. the world so much that He gave His, uh, his only yes. Son. It's like. What is the world? What are we talking about? Are we supposed to hate it or are we supposed to love right. it? Right, yes. Um. <laughs> no, that's really good. And, you know, even First John 2, you know, John telling, you know, those that were reading his letter, don't love the world and anything in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, because of the things of this world, they're, they're passing away. I mean, they're, they're fleeting. They're coming and going. And, you know, just as you and I use um, the word world in different ways uh, from time to time, um, you know, we, we might use it to say, you know, my world was turned upside down, 
Well, if I say my world turned upside down, I mean everything that is me was turned upside down or there was a cataclysmic event in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, something happened, my world was turned upside down. Now, I'm not talking about the whole planet being flipped on its head and there's, obviously this is an expression, it's, mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a literal thing, so we're, we're in a figurative way saying something happened in my life. We could talk about the world and be talking about the planet, right? You go back to the song that says, we are the world, we are the children, and we're clearly not talking about the planet, we're talking about the people. Yeah. And, and the same thing is true in, in the Greek, you know, the word cosmos, um, or cosmos, however you like to say that, there's a you know, debate about how you know, early Greek was pronounced, and we don't really know. But, um, but that particular word can be used multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, cosmos can be used the same way another Greek word is used to talk about an age or a period of time or this moment, this current moment, mm-hmm. the world. And so, in a sense, maybe even describing culture that mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, and, and you know, a book that you and I uh, appreciate by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies, yeah. he talks about the world as being an enemy yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, hold on. So if the world is the enemy, how are we supposed to love the world? And if, of course, what we need to see in that and acknowledge is that the word world is used differently in English, just as the word that we translate world, cosmos, was used in, in different ways and had multiple meanings. And, you know, those meanings were nuanced even in, in the first century, in the first century Greek, in Koine Greek. And so I think, yes, it's very important to acknowledge that because if we just read things in a very literal fashion or even maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Let's make it a little un- less gracious, and we let, read things in a literalistic fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, we could be in a place where we walked away either very confused, or we could only highlight one scripture. Or we'd say, well, this scripture contradicts this scripture, so which one is really saying yeah. what I want yeah. it to say? And, and the reality is they're all saying something, and they may be saying different things using the same word. Mm-hmm. You know? But we, we know this is true in English in many different things. You know, if, if I could say, you know, um, you know, growing up, and I, I know it's not used as much, but we used to talk about things being cool or bad or hot. And we can mean all sorts of different things. You know, I might not be talking about temperature whatsoever. I might be talking about I like something, and so I might yeah. say that's hot. Mm-hmm. Or I might be talking about the fact that I like something, and I'd say that's bad. And, and if you just took it at face value, the word bad does not mean good, but somehow the word bad meant good when I was, you know, seventh grader. <laughs> yeah. And so you yeah. can see how these things work, you know, yeah. different, you know, the same word can be used to mean different things. And so, yes, I think we need to be careful to not get hung up on that yeah. and make sure that we clarify how we're using the word world in this sense. So that's good. Well, and yeah, you mentioned um, live no lies, I think. Comer does a really good job towards the beginning of his section on the world of mm-hmm. distinguishing these three different yep. meanings. The first one being planet Earth, yep, that kind of can mean. Second one being humanity in the instance of, I think that's what we're going to be talking about today, mm-hmm. of God so loved the world. And the third one, when he talks about the enemy of the world, he defines it as right. a system of practices and standards yep. associated with secular society. Yeah, it's ideology. Like it's a helpful view. way. Yeah. Yeah. Of seeing that. So that is not what we're talking about. When we say no. love the world, we're not saying to love those practices and standards yes. associated with secular society. Yeah. We're saying humanity. That's exactly right. And so, yeah, so we, we talked about John 3.16 in particular. We read John 3.16 and John yeah. 3.17. Yeah. You know, 
John 3.16, we, we know John 3.16. It's, it's probably one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture that God so loved the world, and it is the word cosmos there, which can mean as broad as universe or all the way down to meaning people or the systems yeah. of. And here it's very clear that in John 3.16, we're talking about God loving the people of the world because what did Jesus do or what did God do? That He gave His one and only Son that anyone, that all who believe in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal mm -hmm, life, right? Mm -hmm. And so talking specifically about people, God gave His Son. He loved the world so much that for the people of the world, He gave His Son in a hope that all people would come to believe in Him and therefore now come to this place where eternal life was there standing. And, you know, of course, by believe there, we talked about the word there that's there as well, you know, the, the Greek word pistis which is a, about a faith and faithfulness response as much as it is about the idea of cognitive, cognitively believing, you know, just a cognitive ascent, a mental ascent that, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe in Him. You know, it's, it's really more believing on Him. It's putting your faith and trust in Him so that deep trust that Jesus is the proof of God's love and our example to follow and all those things, our reigning king, I mean, everything that comes with that. So it's, we trust in the identity of Jesus, who he is, that changes somehow our eternal standing. God is willing to justify us before him, begin a process of sanctification through that. Um, and then John three seventeen, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, and so, um, God's big work being this saving work, not a condemning work. Mm -hmm. And Jesus not coming in the world to condemn the world, the people of the world. Again, mm -hmm. the population of the world, mm -hmm. every, every person. God did not send his son as a condemning judge, but as a saving, redeeming, loving reflection of who he is. Um, embodied in human flesh you know so god sent jesus into the world to love the world uh the people of the world and, and certainly you know we also know that, that god is making all things new and so we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth but you know even in this context we're not being told that god so loved the planet again it's very specifically the people of this world and it's not that god doesn't love his good creation as we talked about even uh, a couple of weeks ago i think for God to look at creation and say, this is good, this is good, this is good, crowning achievement of creation, humanity, and everything else that was created that final day, this is very good. God's so pleased with his creation. Um, and so I would say God has an affection for all of creation in that. Even you know Paul's language about you know, the world groaning, in a sense, and the, the, the you know, the pangs of childbirth, you know, groaning for this moment of deliverance. And so God's deliverance extends beyond human beings to all of the world or the cosmos in that mm -hmm. sense. His renewing work will extend. Um, but for the sake of the people he loves who've come to follow him, God's going to do this other renewing work as well. You know, it, it is his heart is for his creation, his people in particular, mm -hmm. who were created in His image mm -hmm. and who, as James tells us, are still created in His image, even if it's a broken, poor reflection of the, that deep beauty of the image of God in which we were created um, at, at, at the beginning of all things. Um, 
but still His image. And so, you know, I think, um, yeah, we, we've got to we've got to be clear about that. Um, that yes, the cosmos, our English word, the world, can be used in many, many different ways. We're talking specifically about God's deep, uh, unfailing, everlasting, steadfast love. Mm-hmm. His, you know, the Hesed is the the Hebrew word for that for His people. Yeah. That's why his mercies are new every morning for his people, you know, for the people he loves. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's good to make that clarification. That's where we spent our time, not, not just making that clarification. Mm-hmm. We did make that on, on Sunday morning, but that's where we spent our time this Sunday morning on understanding God's love for the world and asking the question, if God loves the world this way, the people of the world this way, how should we respond? What should that move us to think, to do, to be? in response to the way that God loves the world. Okay, so. that's good. Thank you, Paul. Uh, so why do you think, John three sixteen, like, right, the most, the most famous verse of the Bible, probably see people yeah. hold it up in sports games, all that good stuff, yes. like, very well known. Yeah. Why does it emphasize loving the world? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe we can juxtapose that to what we talked about last week, which is love for neighbor, which we talked about neighbor is someone, you know, where we could say there's both proximity and opportunity together. Mm-hmm. Um, loving the world broadens this idea so, so that we think on a much grander scale. I mean, that, that's the amazing thing about God is, you know, he doesn't want us just to think about our neighborhoods. He doesn't want us to just to think about our local communities. Otherwise, even if we were on mission, we could become completely bunkered in just this local community mm-hmm. um, where, you know, people are a lot like you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, where we have uh, at least the spectrum of like the, you know the economic standard of living here is uh, fairly homogenous. You know, um, certainly there is a, a gap between those who have quite a bit and those who have a whole lot of a lot of bit. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's real wealth in this community. But what we would not do is reach out to the people who um, maybe who live in third world nations, and we might think that's just fine. We might think, well, we don't have to engage with people in Africa, South America, and in other places, Mexico. Why, why should we do that? We'll, we'll just be worried about loving our neighbor right here. Um, and God wants us to think way beyond the bounds of just loving our neighbors, those people uh, with whom we live in proximity. <laughs> God wants us to think about opportunity way beyond proximity. You know, so opportunity to spread the gospel. And it's amazing for, for yeah. the last 2,000 years, there have been people making incredible trips to share the good news of Jesus, many times putting their lives at risk, at deep risk, when they could have stayed home mm-hmm. and just been worried about their neighbors. Yeah. You know, uh, think about some of the, the, early, uh, the early trips that the Apostle Paul made where he was shipwrecked. You know, he was at the mercy of wild animals. He was run off by people, chased out of towns. I mean, all these things because he loved not just his neighbor, but the world. Yeah. And I don't know that that moves every one of us to go somewhere else or to leave the place where we are to go, but it moves us to think in bigger, uh, more broader ways. It connects with missions. I mean, right. even in exactly right. ways that maybe someone is not able to go, but they're mm-hmm. able to give to help support that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and it moves us to this place where we say, you know, because often around here, you know, so we'll, we have our local ministry partners and we have others we engage with. And when we give money to those groups around here, we're, we're kind of watching and we're looking and we want to see the evidence of how 
that money is used. And while that's very true as well for our global mission partners, in a sense, we, we still want to know that money is being stewarded well. But there is a different kind of level of faith. You know, it's, it's the faith that is not necessarily seen and witnessed with our own eyes that this is worth giving to in the hopes mm-hmm. that something happens that I may, may never even lay my eyes on. You know, so there's a real faith at work in mm-hmm. that as well. And so this hope for these people who we will one day spend eternity with, who we never got to yeah. touch, yeah. see, interact with this side of eternity, you know, as opposed to the people that we're interacting with on a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis, even a monthly basis, mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. that we may never interact with and still finding deep value in those people, valuing them so well that we'd be willing to, you know, whether it be take a, a short-term mission trip, whether it be for some, give their lives to uh, living in another culture and learning about that culture to reach and engage yeah. that culture, or, you know, for the folks here who are engaging their neighbor on a regular basis but are willing to reach deep into their wallets and give sacrificially, mm-hmm. as we challenged our folks, five times your regular offering in one month. And, and don't stop giving your regular offering. Make this five times your regular offering on this week. And then, of course, now our people going amazingly well beyond that at this point in time. Um, and you know, so that is that is that shows the importance yeah. of loving the world that way, the people of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not just international either. There may be people who you may not consider your neighbors. Like we think of, uh, we have done at Grace Chapel some prayer walks in Atlanta in partnering with uh, Church Christ at Bouldercrest down there, joining their prayer walks in Atlanta. And we might say that they're not necessarily our neighbors, uh, people in Atlanta. Some might consider it if they're working Mm -hmm. down there at a constant, but for a lot of folks, if they're more isolated here where we are in Forsyth, they may not consider it to be our neighbors, but they are humanity, and we're loving the world. We're loving everyone. So it is. um, there is a, even if you're not a missionary or traveling abroad, there's a component of this, of actually living this out right here in our own our own area yeah and i think too there's another side of this too where um where john through the inspiration of the holy spirit is pushing the bounds of our natural comfort levels Mm. and engaging people who are different from us from Mm -hmm. square one you know um John is now writing this after a lot of the the trouble of the integration of the Jews and Gentiles who were following Jesus. I mean, a lot of that struggle happened, you know, pretty early on as Paul and Peter are having their disagreements, uh, as Paul is having to write the letter to the church in Galatia, even Paul writing the church to the letter in Rome after a reintegration of the Gentile Christians who were never booted out of the out of the city of Rome, but the, the whole Jewish population had been kicked out of Rome, and then they were allowed back in and. So there, there had been some real struggles. You know, the Apostle Paul has probably been, you know, this is at least 20, maybe 25 years past his martyrdom, maybe even more than that, um, when John is writing this, depending on how late of a dating mm-hmm. you go with for the writing of this particular letter uh, or, or, or his gospel. Um, but John is writing this reflecting and probably through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, seeing all the struggles that will lie ahead for for the people of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit knowing some of the struggles that would exist here in our nation. Um, and then also the reality, too, that in the 21st century, 
as much as it's good to go into the world, the reality is the world is also coming to us. Mm. You know, I yeah. think about our, our area here, especially south in our county. Um, I had seen a while back a figure that said that uh, some areas in South Forsyth County are up to 40% Indian at this point in time. Mm. And there are some, uh, some areas where the, the, the population of young families in a particular area in South Forsyth County is uh, so dominated by people who've moved here from India that the predominance of the elementary school kids that are in classes are Indian. Mm-hmm. You know, so you may have two or three Caucasian kids, maybe an African-American kid, and then 17 Indian kids in one classroom. You know, and so it brings the question of, you know, even yeah, go into the world, but what if the world is coming to you? Are we right here where we are engaging with the world in a way that reflects God's deep love for for the world? And that's one thing we're struggling through here at Grace Chapel is to try to understand how can we engage um, entire populations of the globe that seem to be re- <laughs> relocating here to just north of Atlanta um, for the sake of of loving the world the way that God loves the people of this world. Yeah, I love that. All right, so in the message, you said that Jesus' mission was and is to rescue and save the people of this world. He made this, and he, and he mm. made his mission our mission. Why do you think God invites us to participate in this mission? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good question because, I mean, you look at it, and, and really, if God chose, he could kind of do this whole thing on his own in yeah. one sense. You know, I, I don't know exactly he would go about that, but if we ask the question, could God do this without us? Well, God can do it, just about anything. So, yes, the answer is he could clearly do this without us. So why does he invite us to participate in his mission knowing that we're broken, that we're going to mess things up? I mean, think about the mess that sometimes can be the church. You know, things yeah. that happen in the church because broken and fragile people inhabit the church and make up the church. And I mean, you know, we know we, we've been through a, a season for the last maybe decade where um, church abuses and scandals continue to be unearthed. And, you know, some of those are financial in nature at times. You know, I can think of even just recently hearing just unbelievable about this guy who, who I know fairly well um, over the years who bounced from church to church embezzling money for, for a period of a couple of decades. Um, you know, so many other stories that, that just, what they point out is that even in leadership, the place where we ought to be most bent and focused on setting an example of what the love of Jesus looks like in our day and age, we often fall so short of that. Our example falls so short of the example of Jesus, the example that he set for us, and so it just looks like if God were to really look at this thing strategically, he would look at it and say, all right, I'll save you guys, but just keep your mouth shut about me because you don't represent me very well. And so, so I'll just keep doing the talking myself. No, 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 Shh, I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to do that. You're messing it up again. You're saying too much. You're not saying enough. You're, I mean, it seems like that could have been God's approach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that, I mean, for Paul to charge Timothy to guard your life and your doctrine. Paul was charging Timothy because he understood the reality of, you know, from God through the inspiration of the Spirit that 
we need to be very careful about the things we say. It's what Peter says, you know, if any of us speaks, we should speak as one speaking the very word of God. I mean, there's a huge responsibility on those of us that are teachers. James emphasizes that. We'll be judged more harshly. And, but in spite of all of that, we as leaders and teachers still fall way short. And then those who are, who are listening and following and disciples of Jesus who may not be leaders, teachers, you know, within the capacity that we think of leadership and teaching mm-hmm within the church often, um, the reality is those people fall well short as well. And so yep. when Jesus is looking for spokespeople, um, one, it seems like he could often do a whole lot better than us. Hmm. Like, why not just send down some angels who yeah. got it all figured out and let them do it instead of inviting us into it? And so there must be something to that you know why God wants us to join him in that and Mm -hmm. you know coming out of 2nd Corinthians 5 on Sunday morning um, talked about like this this shift that happens within those who start to follow Jesus and give themselves fully over to him it goes from old life to new life you know this new life is real life yeah I think I think there's a real power even in a broken transformed life Mm -hmm. but a life that's still being transformed you know, when you think about, the, when I think about the way I used to live, um, you know, high school, early years of college, the things that I justified, thought were okay, um, that I knew weren't okay, but I was doing anyway because I felt like it, you know, um, the mistakes I've made since being a Christ follower, but the continued transformation and deeper movement of my life into obedience and surrender to Jesus, maybe that brokenness and an authentic and honest brokenness that points in the right direction in spite of the chance for you know the kind of brokenness that really lets us fall flat on our face is the kind of witness that God actually wants in this world about the way he's working to transform us not just redeem us and save us from our sins for the sake of eternity but even to refine us to sanctify us to make us new in this life as well and so you know there's an incredible testimony in that and so there's something to living in such a way that maintains this humility about the journey we're on but that really truly does highlight the journey and the forward progress that we're experiencing and so you know the apostle paul to say look God has been reconciling us to himself. Uh, this is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.18-ish. Um, God has been reconciling us to himself, and now he's extended to us, given to us, the ministry of reconciliation, you know, so that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he is committed to us, then the Apostle Paul says, this message of reconciliation. And so, yeah. It's one thing for God to say to us, I don't want to count your sins against you. It's another thing for me to say, and maybe even takes that one step further, for me to say, I serve a God who's not counting my sins against me. And let me tell you, if he did, it would be a mess. I get you. I get where you're at. I know where you're at. I've been where you are. And I found this whole new way of living in Jesus that I can testify and give testimony to and talk about the goodness of it because I was a, just a totally broken person. 
And I'm still a broken person, but I'm watching God put pieces back together again, you know, so that the image of Christ that was present at the beginning in a perfect way in Adam and Eve until the fall is being restored in me and will one day be fully restored Mm -hmm. through the power and grace of God. And so for God, you know, I think that's why God invites us into sharing his mission. I mean, even as I'm thinking about that, wow, it's like I had this motion, (laughs) this moment where I wasn't ready for the, the emotion of all of that. But, um, Man, that's a huge thing, and the testimony that that should have, that, that broken people have to other broken people, I think God sees the value in it. Yeah. So, so I, I guess that's my best stab at answering that question. Mm. Um, you know, I, I also think this, you know, maybe if I can add this real, real fast. In a world where purpose and meaning are constantly being challenged and where even some philosophers want to say there is no meaning and purpose in this life, stop searching for it, just live your life until you die. Don't worry about it. Don't ask that question. Don't try to think, think deeper than that. God is also giving us meaning and purpose. Yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, beyond that too, if we really understand, I mean, because Paul begins this passage by saying, the love of Christ compels us. For we know that one died for all. Therefore, all died. You know, so he's saying we're compelled by the love of Jesus. So when we really get the love of Jesus, um, you know, think about think about the people in Mark's gospel that Jesus told to be quiet, who couldn't keep to themselves what God had done for them, and went and told everybody anyway. That should be the reaction, maybe, even if God told us to be quiet yeah. and didn't invite us to be His ambassadors, which He does. Paul says we're. We're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Come be reconciled to God. Um, maybe even if God hadn't invited us into that, we should still be shouting it from the rooftops if and when we understand how much God has done from us. You know, I said on Sunday morning, because I just felt it in that moment, man, somebody in here this morning needs to know that God is not counting your sins against you. And that should cause you to rejoice, celebrate, and go share that with others. Mm. Maybe somebody's listening this morning that, that needs to hear that, or you know, maybe it's not morning for you, whether you are listening, watching, whatever. And you just need to be reminded that God is not counting your sins against you. And what does that move you to go do? Mm. It moves you to share that with other people too, because it's the best news. I mean, it's incredible news, because I should yeah. be held responsible yeah. for every ridiculous thing I've ever done every sinful thing I've ever done. And God says, I won't hold that against you. Mm. It's amazing. Reminds me of just as you're, as you're talking, I got the words of the song, said I wasn't going to talk about it. Yeah. Playing through my head. So it's, yes. I uh, said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Yeah. What the Lord has done, done for, for me. me. He's done so much yep. good that I can't keep that to myself. That's right. I need to go out. I need to go yeah. tell, the, tell the world. Amen. So, Paul, Amen. how can we practice this to be faithful to Jesus? Yeah, well, just, you know, want to share just some, some application and then flesh that out a little bit further um, from the message on Sunday. You know, it's a great question. I mean, how can we turn around and show a genuine love for the world around mm-hmm, us? Mm-hmm. Oh, and in our small group last night, as we're reading through the 2 Corinthians 5 passage, it was rich and challenging. I mean, several times we had these moments of, almost like pause and reflection because of the depth of the ideas that we're finding and then sharing and communicating with each other. Um, you know, one of the ones revolved around practicing forgiveness. You know, if God has, is not holding our sins against us 
And we've been given the message of reconciliation, which is about God wanting relationship with us and therefore no longer holding our sins against us, then we ought to be the kind of people who practice forgiveness with others. Yeah, I think every one of us, as we were talking in that room, um, you know, Sunday evening, realized there are places where we've held on to things that we ought to let go, that we ought to forgive. How do we forgive those things as a testimony to what God has done for us? You know, if we're going to be ambassadors for God and God is a forgiving God, then we need to turn around as servants and extend that kind of forgiveness and love to others, you know. Um, also, reconciliation is all about bridge building. You know, I've, I wrote an article a while back, and I, I can't remember who that was for, and this is several years ago, about, um, about there being two levels of forgiveness. You know, the forgiveness that you practice for yourself because you'll lose your sanity if you don't. You'll become bitter if you don't. You'll just hold on to that mess forever, and it will tear you up from the inside by not letting go and giving it over to God and saying, this may not ever lead to reconciliation, the second level of forgiveness where, you know, reconciliation is this two-way street where relationship is able to be reestablished because one person comes and says, hey, I'm sorry, and the other person says, I'm sorry, too, or the person who's really sinned against someone um, who needs forgiveness extended their way realizes that they come and ask for forgiveness, and then mm -hmm. there's reconciliation, but... Um, whether we're the one that, that, that's been hurt or whether we've hurt other people, reconciliation is about intentionally looking to build bridges back to people where those bridges have been knocked down. You know, you think about, uh, um, you know, in a lot of wars, especially World War II, um, you know, the Allies, and I'm sure the other side did it too, as they were retreating away from areas, would blow up these bridges as they were retreating away because they didn't want the enemy to be able to come across. They didn't want mm -hmm. to be able to cross those rivers. Well, after the war, there were all these efforts to rebuild the bridges that had been broken down, you know, and that's true literally and it's true metaphorically as well. And, and we're supposed to be those kinds of bridge builders in our lives. And you know, we're not, maybe not, you're not at war with somebody who, but maybe you kind of are at war with somebody who's hurt you or you've hurt them. Um, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, Several, almost, almost two centuries ago now, not quite two centuries ago, we're not the only people who ever got at each other's throats so bad that they were willing to kill, mistreat, abuse, whatever. Who's going who's gonna to build that bridge back toward someone? You know, so be an intentional bridge builder. And then don't neglect the power of prayer, man. Don't neglect the power of prayer. Um, we, we have got to embrace... Embrace this truth and knowledge. I mean, we pray because we believe God can change things. And in, the, in, in prayer, God changes us often. I mean, we're, we're the thing often that God changes in prayer is we come before Him with something, but, but sometimes God does move and, and change another person's heart as well. And so I think we need to pray. I think we need to pray for people. We also see an example in Scripture of praying against the darkness. Mm -hmm. Praying against, so, so we pray for the world, in the sense of the people of the world, we pray against the world in the sense of the darkness of the <laughs> yeah, world and yeah. the, the movement of culture that is sometimes so counter gospel and goodness yeah. and sometimes the movement within our own hearts that's so counter gospel and goodness. Yeah. And so, that's good. uh, and then we need to pray for reconciliation. And the reason I, I added that one in there is because, um, man, when you pray for reconciliation, 
whether you're the party who wounded someone or whether you are the one who was wounded, you can't pray that particularly long without going and doing something, mm-hmm. without it moving you to action. God is going to move mm. you That's good. Uh, that way. Now, I think another way, another point of application is to you know, seek opportunities to serve. Yeah. I mean, that, that is one of the ways we build bridges. It's, one of, you know, it's the old saying, Ben, and, but old sayings are often really true sayings. That's why they get repeated over and over again. That people, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I know it sounds trite, it sounds gimmicky at this point in time, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Often people don't care what you know. They don't care that you know God or you're telling them you know God until they can see that you also care about them and then they want to know. So how do you live in a way that actually moves people to curiosity? Well, often self-sacrificial service is the way that we do that. I mean, you know, we talked about John 3.16. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his, lives, his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Seek opportunities to serve. And then the last one, I mean, I can't remember who who it was that supposedly said this. And now there's a whole lot of debate as to whether or not this kind of early church father said this or not anyway. But this idea that, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Sometimes I love that and sometimes I hate that, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. I love it because it brings out this idea of serving. But the truth is, it's always, I mean, preaching always comes with words at some point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, what we need to be careful is to preach the gospel, not just to preach at people. You know, there's a difference between that, between preaching at somebody, which is often lecturing and often actually has more judgment than good news in mm-hmm. it, and sharing the good news with people, the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. We're called to preach the gospel, not to preach judgment on people. And sometimes God does move... You know, God moves prophets to preach judgment. So I'm not saying that that will never happen. Um, but our call is to share the good news, yeah. not, just all, not just always zone in on the bad news. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think um, to understand the good news fully, you, have, you do have to understand at some point in time the depth of the bad news. And that, under, that helps you understand the height of the good news. Um, but maybe let's start with the good news and let, that, and let the Holy Spirit work through that. Um, you know, so I think... As the Apostle Paul says, and we can kind of land this here as this point of application, what does it mean for the love of Christ to compel us? What means that the love we have for this people, the people of the world, compels us to share the good news of Jesus. We're compelled. We understand it so deeply. It's, it's got a hold of us. We can't keep it inside. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, which, which prophet was it? Ezekiel said that um, it's like this burning in my bones. And I've just got to speak the Word of God, the things of God. Well, hopefully we develop, because we understand the depth to which we've been loved, that God is no longer holding our sins against us. We develop this fire within our bones that just has to be let out so that we can share the good news with others. So I'd say several points of application. Um, You know, definitely, again, real quick, I can recap them. Practice forgiveness. Be a bridge builder. Pray. Pray often for people against the darkness. All of that. Pray for reconciliation. Find opportunities to serve and then share the good news of Jesus because it's the love of Christ himself that compels us to be ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors of God. Excellent. Thank you, Paul, for sharing that. I appreciate um, it. Before we just close, close out this podcast, close out this series, I just want to ask, as we... As we wrap this up, mm. would you would you just pray over for yeah, our I'd listeners and pray over just yes. for this theme, this idea we've been developing this month? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll pray those things that we just talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Father, we just, uh, Father, we want to come and pray to you for the world, and we mean the people of this world. We know you love the people of this world so much that you gave your Son, that you don't count our sins against us, that you want to see us reconciled to you. And so, Father, I just pray right now for the people of this world and for our neighbors that we have the opportunity to come into contact with. But I pray also uh, for those with whom we don't live in proximity, um, that we would still have a deep love for, for them that moves us to enable the sharing of the gospel, whether it's by giving financially, um, by praying in support of those efforts. Father, whatever it is, uh, inspire us to that as well. And Father, we do pray against the darkness. Father, we pray against our enemy. We pray against the systems and structures of this world that keep us in darkness and keep so many in darkness. And Father, sometimes have an illusion of goodness to them, uh, but Father, are not the true light. We know First John, or we know John 1, that Jesus, you are the true light who came into the darkness. And so it's my prayer that we might share true light everywhere we go. We know it's a dark world. Help us be the light as you've called us to be the light. And so, God, we pray to see a great movement of reconciliation across this nation where people come to you. We pray that we as believers might be moved to implore and beg, be reconciled to God, just as the Apostle Paul says he was moved to implore and beg others to come and be reconciled to God, to find, again, a relationship, a friendship with you. God, this is our hope. May there be renewal, revival, and an awakening within our generation. This I ask in the name of Jesus, and amen. Amen. Mm. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And thank you all for joining us today for, mm -hmm. uh, for this episode of Practice Makes Faithful. We invite you to join us again next week as we'll be turning a quarter. That's we right. won't be jumping into a series right away. We'll have a couple conversations around uh, Palm Sunday, yeah. uh, which I will be speaking for that That's one. Right. And yep. then uh, Paul will be speaking for Easter. So yes. it'll kind of be one-offs, but our themes will be connected in yeah, some ways. That's right. That's right. Then, uh, then we'll move into a new series from there, which we'll share more about later. Yeah. But, Looking yeah. forward to that one. Yep. <laughs> just, just stay tuned. You'll yes. uh, you won't want to it'll be, it'll be some good podcasts. Good. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless you.